Welcome to Improv Interviews. I'm Margot Escott, a psychotherapist, social worker, and improviser. And today we have a fascinating guest who happens to also be a social worker and from New Jersey, like I am, Dr. Peter Felsman. Hi, Peter. Hi, Margot. It's good to be here. It's great to have you here. And uh, Peter has written some incredible things. The research you wrote in 2000. 2019 first attracted my attention because I've worked with teens and worked with teens with anxiety. And do you want to tell us a little bit that about that study? We'll get right into that. Sure. Um, so I was uh, fortunate to connect with a nonprofit in the Detroit area called the Detroit Creativity Project. Uh, that was started by some uh, Second City Detroit alums before Second City Detroit shut down who had moved to LA and wanted to give back to the city. Um, and they, as an organization, provide improv classes at no cost to schools um, for middle and high schools in the Detroit area. And I partnered with them and um, did some pre-post surveying and, and found a connection between participating in their improv training program with uh, reductions in social anxiety, um, that's the, the highlight of that paper, um, which was pretty cool. There, you know, there had been, uh, there's a long history of using improvisational theater or, or benefits of improvisational theater um, outside the context of performance and the stage. And uh, it was good to have some, some empirical data on uh, some of those benefits. Uh, from such a large sample because they teach, uh, you know, across many classes, um, a similar syllabus. So it's, you know, it's noisy real world data, but it's it's good, um, uh, at, you know, providing a, a relatively large sample. Really yeah, good. terrifically large sample. How many were there? I forget. Um, in that first study, uh, there were 147 pre-post, I think. Um, yeah, I could pull it up. Yeah, you. that's okay. That's okay. We, um, we can refer people to the article as well. Yeah, so that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, I did teach um, improv for anxious teenagers, anxiety-ridden teenagers, and I just use a simple Beck anxiety scale with them before and after six-week classes, and I really enjoyed doing that. It's not considered empirical research like your project, but it's good to have empirical read. We really need it because I want to see improv become a legitimate therapy, just like drama and dance and art. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, one of my hopes in the, in the future is to help like democratize the science of, of studying these kinds of things. Uh, I think that will help accelerate its study. Um, so to have, you know, folks like you contributing uh, to what, could be seen as empirical research. Um, I think that that's ideal. Um, and, you know, one way to apply improv principles to the research process itself, right? And have yeah. people who are doing this in the real world, teaching uh, classes, collaborating with researchers and collecting data. That's part of the mission of my podcast here to bring all kinds of folks, especially people who are doing research or writing books and 
that's really important i think so um now we're both from new jersey you're from right. south, you're from south orange new jersey that's right i'm from south orange new jersey so give me a little history about your family you know being a social worker i like to explore the childhood of uh my friends yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i grew up in the you know suburban new jersey it's the uh some some people know it as the town where, where uh, Zach Braff and Lauren Hill went to middle school together. Um, it's like featured on Garden State in that movie. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, suburban sprawl in northern New Jersey. Uh, interestingly, it's, it's where my mom and grandma grew up. Um, so I had mm. a lot of a lot of family in the area. Um, grew up with the I was the younger brother. Um, and would always be well most of the time i'd be invited to uh, play with my brother and his friends which was a great early uh experience of learning to play um, we did a lot of just making up games in the backyard in the basement hanging around <laughs> uh yes yeah, so i'd say my brother is really my first playmate um lifelong playmate and as a therapist Big influences um, are in, definitely include my uncle and aunt, who are psychotherapists. And I, I grew up visiting them in uh, Marblehead, Massachusetts, uh, once or twice a year, and, and learning a lot every time I would go. I learned like, you know, uh, mindfulness meditation, <laughs> uh, breathing meditation wow. when I was probably in, in early middle school. Wow, um, so that was pretty pretty formative in shaping the way I think. So did you say there were two uncles or? An uncle and an aunt. Uh, an uncle and an aunt that were yeah. therapists. Yes. And wow. Yeah, if, I, if I said, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> I uh, yeah. So my uncle and aunt are both psychotherapists. Um, yeah. So I learned a lot from hanging out with them. Um, yeah. They, they, they have an interesting story <laughs> where they, uh, lived in this like communal living um, place called Coombrace. They had a a cult-like leader named Cesario. Uh, <laughs> it was it, honestly it's, it seems like a really cool group of people. They're very interested in self-actualization. They studied at Brandeis with Maslow. Um, wow. And yeah, they were really interested in, in personal growth and development and um, so yeah, so that definitely is in my uh, sort of thinking DNA, I would say. Uh, and your blood DNA, yeah. <laughs> not exactly. I mean, my, I think my dad visited them maybe once, um, but uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely in the family. That's awesome. So now when you were a kid, you liked to play. Now, when I was growing up in New Jersey a few decades before you, there were lots of woods. Um, there used to be, uh, I don't know if it was in one of the oranges, a reservation that you could drive through. Um, was yep. it, what well, was that the South Orange Reservation? Yeah, I think that's the South Mountain Reservation. South Mountain Reservation. Yeah, so yeah, I'd have birthday parties there where we, <laughs> we like, uh, I don't know, played capture the flag and made little uh, structures out of sticks and stones. And, yeah, a lot of playing in the woods. 
Now so, I've got to I've got to remind you, maybe you've never been there, of Pal's Cabin Restaurant because that was our favorite restaurant growing up, and it was near South Mountain Reservation. Hmm. It was called Pal's Cabin on that big road. Was it Mountain View or whatever it was? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, I may I probably have been, but I not frequently <laughs> enough. To, to uh, that was a while ago. So now growing up in that part of Jersey, uh, you had the influences of New York, of course, of course, the city. Yeah. And now were you interested in theater or drama as a kid? When did the, I don't know, the acting bug came first or the improv bug came first? Yeah. Um, Well, my mom was in film. She was a filmmaker um, before deciding she wanted to spend more time at home with with, uh, me and my brother. Um, So she was definitely into acting and wanted us to have the acting bug i really didn't have it um in second grade i was cast as winnie the pooh and i came home crying that day i was very upset and my mom asked me why why i was so upset and i said like i you know i i don't want to be winnie the pooh i don't want to and and she said well you know what do you want to be and i said i want to i want to be absent (laughs) <laughs> I really did not want to do it. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I had another foray into theater in middle school. Um, I played, I was cast as Uncle Henry in The Wizard of Oz, and I was very, very bad uh, because Uncle Henry, <laughs> Uncle Henry needs to uh, yell at Almira Gulch to get off of my lawn as like a you know mean neighbor. Uh, before they go into Oz, and I, I just uh, couldn't yell. I, I didn't really learn how to yell, and uh, I was very bad at that. Uh, and then I left. I left the theater um, in terms of acting until grad school, really. Um, but I switched over to the pit. So I, I played music, and I got a music degree, and um, I played, yeah, played music for lots of theater productions what what was your instrument i've got a degree in percussion so i tried to do a lot of different kinds of things <laughs> awesome hey do you yeah. have any favorite percussionists or influences in your own drumming um yes uh two people who come to mind are uh, winard harper and uh stefan harris but they're they're just two uh uh, percussionist. Winard Harper is a great drummer um, who was who would play in, in the Jersey area from time to time. Um, and Stefan Harris is a vibraphone player who also, I think, actually lived in West Orange, may, might still. Um, but they're big influences of mine. Uh, Max Weinberg, the drummer for Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. he, he was an alumni in my high school, so there's a, a, little wow. bit of a, a little bit of a connection there. Um, but yeah. So when you said you, you, you didn't know how to yell, were you a quiet, studious young boy or young teen? Um, you know, my mom will tell me that I would get upset when people would raise their voice in the house, maybe just sort of sound sensitive. Um, but we, I didn't, I just didn't really, I mean, I was lucky to not grow up with a lot of yelling, um, in my home (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I definitely have always been like a listen first kind of person. I think that's part of the reason I've 
gravitated towards being a therapist. I, I had a, I've got some great storytellers in my family and um, it's yeah. made it very rewarding to listen. <laughs> I bet. So where did you get your first degree? Where was your undergrad at? Uh, all my uh, degrees are from University of Michigan. <laughs> so I've, oh, that's how you I, ended up in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I spent 10 years in Ann Arbor. I, I got uh, five degrees from the University of Michigan. <laughs> all right so let's hear them one two Pretty three silly. four five <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i got a bachelor of music in percussion and a bachelor of arts in psychology and then a master of science in social psychology and a master of social work and then a joint phd and was the uh was your research part of your phd project yeah yeah, so my um, dissertation in my field, uh, the structure for dissertations is like a three paper dissertation, so three publishable papers. And the one that you mentioned is the first of those three. Okay, well, uh, certainly, I'm sorry. Yeah, so in, in that paper, we made a connection in the field between participating in improv theater training and reductions in social anxiety. And then in the second paper, uh, we did a, series of lab studies so he brought uh, undergraduate students in to a classroom and had them either do improv or some sort of social interaction control condition and that way we were able to establish a like more causal connection between doing improv and uh, being more tolerant of uncertainty feeling better uh, and performing better on creative tasks uh, so that was the second paper and then the third paper which is going to be published in february it was just published online uh, in the same journal that the first paper was published in uh, connects uh back in the real world the uh increased tolerance of uncertainty or in the in the case of that paper decreases in intolerance of uncertainty um uh, and shows statistically that that accounts for some of the change in social anxiety right which is uh, which is great because that's one of the mechanisms that um, has been proposed in the literature and that we propose shows up in uh, the practice of improvisational theater and you know generalized anxiety disorder is primarily what I treat in my offices it's the you know more than depression today it's so prevalent yeah. so now, when did you take your first improv class and how did, and did you get the bug immediately? Where was that? <laughs> um, I took my first improv class uh, through Ann Arbor's Rec and Ed department. It was a class called Improv for Non-Actors uh, with a guy named Mike Fidel, uh, who was really interested in using improv uh, for people with ADHD. Um, and yeah, it was after I started a little like improv working group among grad students at U of M called Improvise and Resubmit. Um, and, and, re and resubmit? Yeah, because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, when you're you know, in the publication process, if you're lucky, you get a revise and resubmit um, as a review and then you do that. So it's a, a bit of a wordplay. I, I I did not come up with it myself, but uh, it was a fun group, um, and I convinced one of those uh, people who would show up to that to to take the class with me. Uh, 
And then after that, I got the bug pretty hard and uh, went to Chicago for four summers and took classes at Second City and I.O. and uh, Chicago Improv Studio uh, and uh, The Annoyance. And I took classes in Ann Arbor at a local theater called Pointless uh, Brewery and Improv Theater, which uh, is, is no more, but was a really great home for me for my time in Ann Arbor. Um, I joined a short form group through Ann Arbor Civic Theater and started a bunch of duos and just tried to play and practice as much as I could. Uh, so when we're a bit, we're a bit, I think it's like all of a sudden this new world explodes. Now, you mentioned something about ADD or ADHD. Can I ask if you've personally been affected by ADHD or? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I have the uh, inattention virus that's uh, going around <laughs> um, just socially, culturally. Um, you know that, that most everyone is, is struggling with the right. uh, increase in technology and prevalence of, of uh, you know uh, big tech uh, competing for our attention. Uh, exactly. But I did. I didn't like grow up with. Uh, oh, okay. That, I've been working with some kids who have ADHD and using improv, and it's such a great intervention. Once yeah. I going because of the focus and the self-awareness and the success at doing something and staying yeah. with it. That's great. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. So now tell me a little bit about, I know you were at the Alan Alda Research Center. Am I mm -hmm. saying it correctly, Alan Alda? Yep. the Alan Alda Center for Communicating Science. Right. And tell me about the time you spent there. How many times have you been there and what was that like? Yeah, well, I uh, was really lucky. I got hired as a postdoc there um, and I was there for about two years. Um, I, you know, I got trained to help deliver workshops uh, and just be among a group of people who are really passionate about sharing the skills of improv. Uh, to help increase, you know, people's effectiveness as communicators. Uh, so that was really cool. And, and people who are passionate about curriculum design. And, um, yeah. And I also got to be um, jointly appointed to a clinical psychology lab called the uh, Social Competence and Treatment Lab that Matthew uh, Lerner, Dr. Matthew Lerner runs. Um, and that's a lab that focuses on uh, autism interventions uh, and using drama as a part of that, uh, I guess, uh, line of research. So he, he's done a, a lot of work in that area. So that was cool to be a, um, get to work with him. And he introduced me to Talia Goldstein, who's a, a theater scholar at George Mason University. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> This all happened um, like right as COVID was ramping up. Oh. So a lot of my time as a postdoc at the Aldo Center was affected by, you know, figuring out what to do. Um, and 
you know, major transitions. They had been doing a lot of uh, road gigs, so they'd send trainers around the country and the world, um, and they started to focus efforts a little bit more locally on Stony Brook's campus, um, partly related to COVID and mm-hmm. yeah, just figuring out how to adapt as we have to do. <laughs> Well, I think the Applied Improv Network Conference was at Stony Brook a few years ago. That's right. Were you there yeah. then, or did you miss it? I was there for that. Um, yeah, I was. It was a little bit odd for me as a conference attendee because I all, it was the first time I'd been to a conference in basically the town I was living in. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a little bit torn um, between doing all the conference stuff and doing my day-to-day uh job and other meetings that you know i were pretty accessible uh because it was so close um but it was you know i i went to as much of it as i could and i I really enjoyed it uh and then this past summer i went to the applied improv network conference in spain uh, which was amazing i i was a really, really special experience. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, wonderful. I hope to hope to go back and go to the next one. Uh, it's a wonderful organization, and there's thousands of members all over the world. Now, going back to at the um, conference, AIN conference in Stony Brook, I believe that one of my teachers, Aretha Spolin Sills, and mm-hmm. Alan. Alan Alda gave a talk together. Were That's you right. at that talk? That's right. Yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah, that was really cool. And of course, I've got to ask because I'm starstruck. Did you actually meet Alan Alda and get to know him at all? <laughs> um, I met him a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, an absolute delight. Um, I, I was very impressed with him just as a person. Uh, he has this like relentless curiosity, which I think is so um, contagious and, and and powerful, and uh, it's it leads to great conversation. And oh. I appreciate it as someone who just lo- values learning, you know. Oh, just wonderful! He's such an inspiration for people with Parkinson's. I- yeah. The the last movie I saw him in, he had you could definitely see his tremor, but yeah. his acting was superb as usual. Yeah, yeah. He um, I, I joined a, a group of colleagues to have a, a brief uh, meeting at his home, and he insisted on um, cutting me a slice of quiche, and it was, <laughs> you know, it was very like it was a very memorable moment. Uh, you know, he was shaking a bit. And, uh, you know, I have to wonder if he if he is like <laughs> aware of what a vivid, memorable experience that would be for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Also insisted I take a napkin. <laughs> after. <laughs> <laughs> so, absolute, absolute gentleman. Absolute gentleman. Uh-huh. Oh, what a, well, when he, when he listens to our podcast, he'll know how much it meant to you. 
And you mentioned the word curiosity, and that's such an important part of improv, I think, is the curiosity of, you know, being in the moment and then what's next and being in the moment and then what's the gift or endowment we're going to get as we continue to play. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Now, you've been in some improv groups. Did you play in New York in the city at all? Um, I, not as a not as an improv actor. I did get to um, sub as a drummer for uh, the improvised musical uh, Shamilton, which is a a take on a take yeah. on Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, they give give a take an audience suggestion and give that character the treatment of of a Hamilton and. My my friend, uh, musical genius Brian Heveron Smith, uh, was the music directing for them and invited me to play drums for the group a couple of times. Um, so I was at UCB, and we did one one gig at Princeton, which was pretty fun. Yeah, I bet it was. Went out to Princeton, played drums, and and that cast is so uh, so talented. I, I had a, just a wonderful time. Beautiful. Now, are you teach? Are you teaching at all? And and where exactly are you? You're in Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an assistant professor of social work at Northern Michigan University, which is in Marquette, Michigan. It's uh, very, very north. You know, many people think of Michigan as as the mitten. Uh huh. And uh, uh, Marquette is not on the mitten. It's in uh, on the other hand which is the, the upper peninsula um, and it's sort of centrally located on the base of Lake Superior. So it's, it's right on the lake. It's absolutely beautiful. 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 Yeah, it's a really, really nice place to be. Do they call it the UP? They call it the UP. Yeah. And they, they call uh, people who were born here, UPers. And some of the most wonderful people I've ever met are UPers. Oh, oh, honestly, yeah. And oh, it's, it's a little cold there, though, isn't it? Wonderful. It's very cold. Yeah, there's snow on the ground right now. Um, I shoveled yesterday. Um, yeah, Yeepers are, are cool. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting place. Um, there's a real uh, kind of do-it-yourself spirit up here. You know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of land, a lot of rural uh, areas, a lot of space. And not a ton of resources like there may be closer to major cities and so a lot of people are very innovative and uh happy to experiment and you know try new things and learn stuff and you know a lot of people fixing up their own houses and you know inheriting old sailboats and restoring them uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's very it's i think that's a part of the culture here that i, I really love and admire um, beautiful yeah. yeah so are you do you do any improv in the classes you're teaching professor <laughs> uh i've done a, a little bit not as much as i'd like um, but I've, I've done a, a handful of exercises i noticed uh this past term we had a uh, two classes where we were covering dbt mm-hmm. and in uh the dbt skills manual uh, teaching out of, I uh, noticed, uh, I think in the mindfulness module, they include some things that you can do to practice. And one of those things is take an improv class. Uh, so I, I, I used that as justification to introduce students to a couple improv games that were 
pretty fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's wonderful. That's yeah. terrific. And you enjoy teaching? Is that something that? Yeah, this semester's was uh, definitely rough, but uh, in general, I, I do <laughs> enjoy teaching. Uh, yeah, I you know I enjoy complex problems, and I think teaching is a complex problem. It's yeah, kind of fun to figure out, you know, how to help a group of people with a mix of backgrounds and interests all learn. <laughs> and feel like they're getting something valuable out of uh, your time together. It's a, With so many different styles, I'm interrupted. I'm sorry, but so many different diverse learning styles. Yeah, I am. Um, I went to NYU for my master's, and the best class I took was taught by a psychiatrist, and he used movies to illustrate a psychiatric illness and therapists. And I've actually created presentations where I use movies and TV shows to show students and others on how we're how we're portrayed in the movies from, you know, cool. Hector, Le oh, what's his name? Le Dr. Lecter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some great resources now. There's a, uh, I think it's a Showtime show called Couples Therapy, where uh, Orna Garalnik is uh, does therapy. With, uh, I think what what they're calling participants because they can't legally say they're clients. Um, but it's pretty. It's as real as it gets in, in terms of televised therapy that I've seen. And she's really good. And, and they show sessions with her supervisor. Uh, that's a a show I've referred students to because I think it's. Wonderful. Really wow. educational. Uh, Several years ago, we had one called In Treatment with Gabriel Byrne, and that ultimately was showing poor boundaries on the part of a therapist, um, but it had some brilliant actors yeah. in it, and I think that's an example as well. Some of his scenes are beautiful, but some of them are absolutely giving the wrong idea, and I think a lot of people get yeah. the wrong <laughs> idea about therapists because of things like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I was going to Definitely. say, in Prince of Tides, when Barbara Streisand sleeps with her patient's brother, he's a collateral can contact. <laughs> no, yeah. that's not a good idea. I don't know that reference, but I, I know that that's not something therapists should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, are you teaching improv right now anywhere? Are you teaching online or in person? Um, I organized an improv workshop in Marquette that happened this past summer. And that was, uh, as opposed to trying to take another week long intensive in Chicago, um, I was able to convince two friends of mine who are overqualified to teach an improv intensive uh, to come to Marquette and, and spend a week uh, teaching here to help develop the scene a little bit, give me some people to play with and, and uh, just give me a, you know, a more concentrated opportunity to learn from them. Uh, and compensate them for their time. And, uh, nice. So my, my friends, uh, yeah, Tim Lampier and Megan Strickland uh, came out from Brooklyn. It was during a month when they were working on their move to LA, um, so it worked out well. Where they were, uh, they were in need of housing anyway. So <laughs> they spent a week out here uh, teaching improv, and since then I, I've tried to just get people together just to play, including people who participated in that workshop. So. Uh, I've, I've sort of taken on a player coach role in that setting just because I, I have a lot of improv experience and better 
probably memory for the things that we did and covered in that week. Um, and hopefully that develops some more um, the scene here. Uh, yeah, I, I have a, a bunch of ideas how that will happen. And I think if you check back in with me in 2023, <laughs> um, hopefully I'll have more to say on what's been <laughs> Well, it's like Peter Improv Appleseed. You're spreading right now. <laughs> that fertile ground there with a lot of people because many of us, many people I find, once they take that first in-class, cl especially with a charismatic teacher, which I'm sure you are and coach, they're, they're sold. I mean, I was lucky to have my first teacher be so dynamic and he had studied with Del Close and all kinds of people. And Amazing. Yeah. So um, as an academic, yeah. Uh, do you create a definite curriculum for each of your classes? Like say you were teaching a six week improv class, would you have yeah. a definite curriculum and how would you, and how do you like to start your classes? Well, um, <laughs> so it's a good timely question because I, I've really only taught improv. Um, well, okay. <laughs> I got to, take ownership over really creating an improv class once when I was at Stony Brook. Um, otherwise I taught out of like a improv theaters curriculum. So I, you know, inherited right. a syllabus for, you know, in intro to improv or improv two or intermediate improv. And I, I ran down the list of things that I was supposed to do week to week. Um, and, you know, as all improv teachers do, I kind of brought my flavor and take to those things but the syllabus was pretty much that. Um, for Stony Brook, um, when I got to really um, like craft an arc of a course, I would start with, you know, what my ultimate goals are, where, where I'm going, um, and then see how we could get there. And of course, as, a, as an improviser, be willing to pivot and end up someplace that I could not have foreseen <laughs> and that is uh you know maybe even more wonderful than i dreamed up before the course began uh, that's the that's the ideal <laughs> um yeah so well, ho hopefully i'll get to do more of that uh in the next couple of years i hope so too i hope so maybe i'll come to the up and Zoom has been a great um, opportunity for me to study and teach for myself. So I, I yeah. have some really favorite, you know, I, I, I learned about Spolin very early in my improv training. How about you? What influences did you have? I mean, you were at Second City and IO and Annoyance. Yeah, well, I, um, yeah, I guess I think the first book I read was uh, the book of TJ and Dave with Pam Victor. Uh, and then from there, I think I read Truth and Comedy. And then from there, I read the UCB manual. And then uh, I'm a reader, you know, I'm an yeah, academic. Yeah. I like, I like reading. So I, I probably read, you know, five improv books before I took an improv class. Uh, so really? those were all all major influences on me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I read McNapier's books. I read Will Hines' yes. books. Um, 
Bill Arnett's book. Um, yeah, some some of those after <laughs> after uh, taking classes, but definitely the uh, uh, improv at the speed of life was a major influence on me, especially coming from you know a program in social work and psychology where my initial inspiration to explore improvisational theater came out of wanting to uh, learn how to teach people skills of improvisation that I had learned through music. Because I had taken imp improvisational music classes at U of M and, you know, these lists of, of skills, uh, practicing non-judgment, uh, non-attachment, full like psycho-spiritual presence, uh, acting with commitment, uh, you know, being flexible. All these skills were the same skills that in my psychology classes, uh, professors were saying are protective skills for people to learn and develop. Um, and so I came into improv theater uh, first to help figure out that, <laughs> you know, analogous to a mindfulness practice. Like, oh, I want to develop my improv practice. If I'm going to be helping people learn these skills. Uh, so the improv at the speed of light has a, a real Zen flavor to it um, that really uh, I, I was I connected with pretty deeply. Um, yeah, and then later I've had to shed some of that because I <laughs> I fell into the trap of beginning scenes very slowly. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way where I, every scene I'd start would be. I would be playing a person who is waiting for something to happen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've been unlearning that a little bit, but but definitely the, those core lessons, uh, which when you more fully understand, you realize like that's not what it's suggesting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm uh, yeah definitely that 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 book. Well, this is astounding to me that you were reading all these books before you were doing improv. That you had that in your repertoire already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a puzzle, isn't it? Um, no, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's I, great. I, I can't remember which book it was. Maybe maybe it's the UCB manual. Um, but one of those initial books I read, um, you know, recommended just getting started, just playing with people. Uh, you know, I think Spolin's book uh, and philosophy, a lot of it is about, you know, learning from the games. Yes. Uh, and so I would, uh, you know, I started just trying to practice and just finding people to play with who would be willing to practice with me and play with me. And uh, yeah, also, I should say, also getting to observe uh, the teachers of the Detroit Creativity Project. That was also a huge influence on me. Uh, Dave Davies, Lauren Vickers, uh, Rico, uh, Quinton, uh, Mike McGettigan, Jeff Fritz, uh, tons of Emily Engelhardt, lots of, lots of wonderful people uh, who I was able to just sit in a room with and watch be great improv teachers uh, for these teenagers. Uh, yeah, that helped me 
definitely be more inspired to read more and to just get together with anyone who would who would play with me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Then, you know, back to Spolin for a second. She was extremely mindful and present and uh and her, her work is almost spiritual sometimes. I mean, these are exercises where we're getting outside of ourselves, out of our head and almost have a meditative quality. And I think she was quite a spiritual woman herself, as mm -hmm. many improvisers are. And I like that we can use the word spirituality and improv because of that human connection, that bond that we form with other human beings together. That's uh, yeah, really special. Yeah. And uh, I was I was mentioning Del Close. Have you ever been to the DCM, the Del Close Marathon in New York? I haven't. No, no, I never got a chance to go. I, I wish. Yeah, I went, I went to the I went to the 15th one and there was a fellow that was friends with my stepchildren years ago and there's a huge line to get into the first theater and yeah. I see him at the head of the line so of course I got in line with him but of all the people to see seeing someone that I knew who had a good space in line was pretty cool but the Amy Poehler was there that year and it was just terrific it was so much fun that sounds amazing yeah Ah, you're uh, getting me excited. I'm I'm over the holiday. I mean, I travel east a bit, and I gotta gotta catch some improv while I'm in one of these towns: Detroit, Philly, New York. Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe all of the above. Um, I do have to get going though, Margot. Um, oh, listen! Thank you so much. Just um, thank you so much for your time. And Peter, maybe we can talk again, and maybe next time we can play a game. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you. I look forward to your next uh, writings and work and whatever is coming out of your brilliant, playful head. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.